Welcome back to Let Freedom Reign Podcast, the official equine industry podcast of Day 6 Ranch. I'm your host, Jason Swick, and on this show, we discuss leadership, self-mastery, and discipleship from topics and perspectives exclusive to the equine industry. If you are looking to build a legacy-worthy lifestyle, we encourage you to visit day6ranch.com and explore our free content, other podcasts, and sign up for our monthly newsletter. We thank you for joining us on this adventure. Welcome, everybody, to another episode here at Let Freedom Reign Podcast. This week, we're going to feature our faith-based series with J.R. Vizane, titled White Horse Ramuda. In previous weeks of this podcast series, we share how the show had come to be and answer the question, what does it take to get to heaven? Well, in this episode, we pose the question, how do you define success? We spend a lot of time in the book of Matthew, a bit in Ecclesiastes, and finish in John. As always, the specific scriptures discussed will be included in the show notes for this episode. It seems like there's always a million things going on around Day 6 Ranch, and we'd like to keep you up to date with some recent news. We've been blessed with an opportunity to host the VIP experience for the Fort Worth Mustang Show 2023, happening September 9th at the Will Rogers Coliseum there in Fort Worth. The VIP ticket includes VIP seating to the 6 p.m. Top 10 Final Show, a VIP reception, private tour of Will Rogers Coliseum, and much, much more. This is a limited ticket event, so we encourage you to get tickets early and visit day6ranch.com to not miss out on this VIP experience opportunity. This week marks our final week of Horses for Heroes with Victory Therapy Center, Veterans Point, and the India 68 Foundation. We've had an incredible group of veterans participate, and huge strides have been made in their horsemanship journey. I am absolutely honored to partake and be included in such a wonderful program. For more on the Horses for Heroes program, visit victorytherapy.org to stay up to date on future opportunities to enroll in such program. As always, should you find value in this episode or have feedback, JR and I encourage you to reach out through social media. You can get a hold of JR on Instagram under JR Vizane and on Facebook under JR Vizane Professional Bareback Rider. You can always reach out to us through our Day 6 Ranch social media outlets and day6ranch.com. Again, we thank you for your continued support of Let Freedom Reign podcast, helping spread the word of this faith-based series, White Horse Ramuda, and all that we have going on through Day 6 Ranch. We hate to keep you all waiting any longer. Here's our conversation about defining success. All right, JR, here we go. Episode number three, White Horse Ramuda. I thank you again for making time to jump on the line and record. Just in summary, we go back. Episode number two covered what does it take to get to heaven? And in that episode, we covered three scriptures, specifically Ephesians 3.20, discussing the powers and the capabilities of our God. Romans 10.9, discussing what it takes to confess that Jesus is Lord and believe it in your heart. And John 3.16, understanding God's sacrifice and sending Jesus to die on the cross for us so we can live eternally. Now, I know we've talked a little bit since last recording, and the question that kind of came up for both of us, and ironically we have a very similar answer on it, is how do we measure success? As a servant of God here on earth, how do we actually measure success? And Interestingly enough, both of us landed on nearly the same exact scripture. And we're going to go to Matthew's. If you're going to turn your Bibles there, Matthew's 25 specifically. And we're going to look at verse 21. Verse 21 reads, His master replied, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. And I'll tell you, JR, when it, when it all comes down to it, 
and I get my chance to sit in front of God, I would love nothing more than to have him echo those words to me. However, that takes practice and that takes skill and that takes effort on my part while I have time here on earth. So I guess here at first, what are your opinions and what are your takes on that scripture specifically? And then what I can do is I'll give us a little bit more context in reading the parables of the bags of gold. So listeners have a a greater context to launch from. I've been going down the rabbit hole here for the last few weeks. Um, and I don't know if it's, so I'm a father and looking at what I want, what lessons I want to teach my kid, how to be a man and how to treat women right and all that sort of thing. I don't know if that's what sent me down the hole or, or hard times or getting trying to walk again or chasing this cow horse dream or i got some things in the work trying to get a trying to get a a nonprofit started and be able to help people spur their way out of their doubts and fears and failures um i don't know what sent me down the route but i was I've, i've been listening to a book the circle maker by mark batterson and Really, it's just about how to uh, pray big, bold, audacious prayers. And anything short of big, bold, audacious prayers offend God. And I've been thinking a lot about that. One of the one of the main parts of the book at the very beginning, he says, if you don't get anything else out of this book, at least get out of defining success in your life. So I'd been, I'd been, that's what sent me down the rabbit hole of defining success in my life. What does success look like to me in my life? Because, and this, I'm not trying to sound arrogant or cocky or, or anything, but I've had the world by the balls. I've been the top one of the top 15 bareback riders in the world year in and year out for six years of my life. I've had, half a million dollars in the bank account and felt like there was going to be no more bad days. And I've had, I've had successes in my life. And as a very goal driven, goal oriented warrior mentality person, seems like every time you set a goal and then you reach it, it's not fulfilling, right? You want to get the next best thing and you want to do it again. If that was for me, it was chasing a gold buckle. And when, when I first started out high school rodeoing, it was about getting to the NFR. Well, once I got to the NFR, I didn't quit there. Heck no. It was, I, I need to get back to the NFR again and get back to get, get a gold buckle. And I know just because I know me, if I would have got a gold buckle, one wouldn't have been enough. I wanted to, I would have wanted to go get another one. So, and, and nothing else or everything else in life is the same. You get to me personally, I want to walk again, get out of this wheelchair and walk again. But I know that won't be good enough. As soon as I get walking, I'll want to run. And once I can run, I want to run a marathon. Come and on, come on. It's, it's <laughs> you, you know what I mean? No, it's a very, it's a very common truth in, in type A competitive personalities. Yeah, that's just how I go. So none of those I think when we're chasing worldly things, when we're chasing earthly desires, which and there's nothing wrong with it because I, I, I serve a God of excellence and I think he wants me to strive for excellence. And when I pray big, bold, audacious prayers and when I am truly chasing the desires and the will that God wants me to 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 chase, 
he doesn't want me to settle for 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 mediocrity. I I we if we went down that in one of the other in one of the the first episode I think Ephesians three twenty now all glory to God who is able through His mighty power at work within me to accomplish infinitely more than I can ask or imagine. Right, so. He wants me to chase that infinitely more than I can think or imagine. But humanly speaking, can I get it? Heck no. I rely on a Lord that does that. So he wants me to have to have to rely on him. He wants me to have to to have to chase face the mountain that only he can help me climb and help me get over. So what does success look like in my life? And I've been trying to decide that. And yes, I, I want to leave a legacy for my kid to step into. And yes, I want to live a comfortable life that the bills are paid and have a grand amount of money that I can give to people. And yes, I want to have a successful business. And yes, I want to compete at the world's greatest horseman and all of those things. And I am chasing those things. But those things don't define success in my life. And it's not a question to me whether there's a heaven or a hell. And it's not a question to me. So for those listening that don't believe, I would say you better be 100% right. Because the book that I read, I don't know what happens on the final day. I don't know. I just have a belief of what happens, right? And what strives me to believe is if I'm wrong and you're right, so be it. But if I'm right, I know where I want to be. And when I get to those pearly gates, I do want the Lord to say, well done, my good and faithful servant, and come in and join the party. I don't know. I just, as I as I kept asking the Lord what success looks like in my life, the voice I kept hearing is what I'd been hearing from a lot of these high-end horse trainers that I'd been around lately. And at horse trainers, horse people, we overcomplicate horse training, right? And repeatedly they would say, keep it simple and lower your expectation. So as I was praying for what does success look like in my life, I just kept hearing those words, keep it simple and lower your expectation. So <laughs> I kept saying, man, I want to love the Lord. I want to be, I want to be, I want to be known like David. David was a man. He had some messed up things happen in his life. He was an adulterer. He had a man killed on the front line so that he could, so that he could have that man's wife. And when you read about David, he was, he, he was just as big of a scumbag as I am, but he was also known as a man after God's own heart. And that gives me a lot of peace knowing that God's grace is sufficient for me that yes, he wants me to imitate Christ. Therefore in everything I do, Ephesians five, one, and yes, Matthew five forty eight says, I am to be holy as my father in heaven is holy, or I am to be righteous as my father in heaven is righteous. But his grace is sufficient for me. So Jesus just wants my heart. He just wants to be the absolute Lord of my life. And success to me looks like that. At the day everybody celebrating my life uh, at my funeral, I want them to be. I want them to say about me, "This was a man that knew the Lord, and the Holy Spirit resonated in that man's life. He was a good man. He did. He did God's work. That would define success to me." But I think it's fair to say, at least in my story, and I know it to be true in yours, correct me if any of this is wrong, 
Matthew 25, 21 did not represent your view of success for the lion's share of your life. And I think what the value we're trying to bring in today's episode is kind of walking listeners through how that transition took place from our previous worldly or secular views of success to where we're at today in our walks. It's obvious that a lot of our listeners and a lot of our followers come out of the warrior and Western world. That's kind of who we serve, right? And in the Western world, we have a lot of rodeo athletes, a lot of professional horsemen, a lot of entrepreneurs, a lot of people who are very, very driven for that worldly success. No different on the warrior side. I'm going to tell you right now, in the warrior business, you get get in, you prove yourself, you get good, and you chase the next goal. That's how it goes. You want to be in the, the more exclusive unit or the more specialized unit, or you want to be the man on the team. That's generally the path traveled. And I'm going to get into the parable of the bags of gold here in a second. It kind of explains that transition. So if you're listening and you're flipping through your Bible right now, let's go to Matthew 25 and we'll give you a second to flip there. Specifically, we're going to start on verse 14. And in my Bible, it reads, again, it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his wealth to them. To one, he gave five bags of gold to another two bags and to another one bag each according to his ability. Then he went on his journey. The man who had received five bags of gold at once and put his money to work and gained five bags more. So also the one with two bags of gold gained two more. But the man who had received one bag went off, dug a hole in the ground and hid his master's money. After a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. The man who had received five bags of gold brought the other five. Master, he said, you entrusted me with five bags of gold. See, I have gained five more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. The man with two bags of gold also came. Master, he said, you entrusted me with two bags of gold. See, I have gained two more. His master replied, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. Then the man who had received one bag of gold came. Master, he said, I knew that you are a hard man, harvesting where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. So I was afraid and went out and hid your gold in the ground. See, here is what belongs to you. His master replied, you wicked, lazy servant. So you knew that I harvest where I had not sown and gather where I had not scattered seed. Well, then you should have put my money on deposit with the bankers so that when I returned, I would have received it back with an interest. So take the bag of gold from him and give it to the one who has 10 bags. For whoever has been given more, and they will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them. And throw that worthless servant outside into the darkness, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. So the first time I read through that, right, there's a lot there to unpack about being entrusted with somebody else's wealth, right? What somebody else put forth the effort to earn. That's a huge responsibility. Then you have the risk of investment because with investment and risk, there's the unknown, right? Difficult to navigate, difficult to foresee. 
And then you have the servant who just played it safe. Hey, I've been given a little bit. I'm just going to hold on really, really tight to what I have. I'm not really going to take many chances and I'm just going to return it once that day comes. And the big life lessons that I took from this is that God has given us a skill set, correct? God has given us talent. God has given us resources. What are we going to do to take those gifts and leverage them, invest them in his name? And I can think back in the early parts of my life playing baseball and then getting into the 911 world. I took a lot of those talents and resources that I was given and I held on to them for my glory. And it wasn't until I started to develop my relationship with Christ that I saw his gifts and talents as an investment in me. They're not mine. I have to be a steward and give all that stuff away. And that was a lot of the driving force in the transition into running Day 6 Ranch and opening that up to help humans and horses live their legacy-worthy lifestyle. But we got to get out of this hoarding and saving mentality with our gifts and resources. And we really got to get into that investment mindset, which is difficult for us from a humanly perspective because it's risk. There's unknown factors or finish lines. And what exactly do we really do with that? But I think it comes down to growing your relationship with Christ. The closer you become with him, the more easy or clear the path is to see where the investment needs to take place. Yeah. Okay. And here's another spinoff that I'm, that I'm hearing too. Okay. So success, success in my life. What would be the biggest disappointment that I would, that I would, would hear people say of me that he gave up, right? He quit. That would be the biggest disappointment. So I want to use well what I've been given to the very best of my ability. Yes, there's going to be days I fail. There's going to be days I want to throw the towel in. There's going to be days that that I want to quit chasing my dreams or, and take the easy road out. But the biggest disappointment in my life would be to hear that he quit. He gave up. So Ecclesiastes 1 says it. And, and this is – he's referred to – this is Solomon speaking, and he's referred to uh, being the wisest man, right? Having the most knowledge and wisdom. So he, if you go through the Proverbs, it talks about seeking wisdom is more precious than rubies and gold and, and all these things. But where I, the two parts that got me trying to define success in my life were worldly outlook on what defines success in our lives big houses fancy cars buckles uh championships all those things i've chased those things i've won those things i've got those things i've had those things what happens whenever you get those things something else they bring temporary emotion doesn't fill a void they don't fill a void so yes happiness is it is a thing happiness is an emotion but it does not compare to joy. That's spot on. That's where I was going to go is that happiness is not joy. Those are two completely different separate entities. Happiness is temporary. It is that flame that fizzles out. Joy is that fire that burns and it's it's sustainable. When I'm chasing happiness, it fizzles out, right? It goes void. When I'm chasing joy, whether that's through my victories or in my trials and hardships, Joy comes from the Lord, and joy is a lasting fruit of the Spirit. So Ecclesiastes 1, if I'm if I'm chasing earthly things that define my success, 
Ecclesiastes 1-2 says, Everything is meaningless, says the teacher, completely meaningless. What do people get for all their hard work under the sun? Generations come and generations go, but the earth never changes. Oh, man. Does that not just hit? Absolutely. Absolutely. (laughs) You chase chase big a bank account full of money. You chase big houses. You chase big cars. You, you're not the first one that's chased those it things and, and those things. They come and go. They're meaningless. The sun rises and the sun sets, then hurries around to rise again. The wind blows south and then turns north. Around and around it goes, blowing in circles. Rivers run into the sea, but the sea is never full. Then the water returns again to the rivers and flows out again to the sea. Everything is wearisome beyond description. No matter how much we see, we are never satisfied. No matter how much we hear, we are not content. So a a little side note onto this. Um, So I have kind of a study Bible here. And one of the notes, it says, so there are few experiences in life that are more universal than disappointment. It seems as if everyone has experienced a broken promise, an unfulfilled expectation, or a shattered disappointment as he tried to find peace apart from God. So as you're trying to find your success apart from the Lord, right? The teacher uses a series of examples, wealth, wisdom, popularity, pleasure, and shows how each of them ultimately ends in disappointment if it becomes the sole reason for one's existence. After pondering this for several chapters, da-da-da-da. So my main takeaway is if, if I'm chasing a dream apart from the Lord, if I'm chasing success that is not at the soul of that chase isn't glorifying the Lord, using well what I've been giving, trying to be a good and faithful servant, it's going to leave me full of disappointment. It's going to leave me empty that there's going to be a void there when I'm chasing a earthly success. Yeah. So I think the question then becomes is how do we, how do we start that transition? And we discussed that obviously you got to grow your relationship with God, but how do we how do we even start that step? And and I'd like to reference back to uh, Matthew 22, 37 through 39. So in that portion of Matthew, the law experts are trying to challenge Jesus to try to figure out, right, his validity, his credibility, how well does he know the, the law? And we can, get, we can get into law. That's a whole different other episode. But I'm going to read here starting in 34 under the greatest commandment. Hearing that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, the Pharisees got together. One of them, an expert in the law, tested him with this question. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment, and the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. So you have to have that constant presence and you have to balance all that you do or are given in life when it comes to skill sets and resources and you need to take it to god first you know you win that big buckle or that big check or you get that promotion or you get that great opportunity to be involved or make an influence within an industry so many people and i've done it myself you think you start to believe you're the man you know, when I was working in human trafficking, I went from knowing absolutely nothing to human in human trafficking 
to running hundreds of operations, to speaking on behalf of United States law enforcement, to running multinational investigations and things of that sort, right? I thought I was the man. Like, I know this better than most at that given time when I was in that portion of the profession. Where I absolutely missed the boat is God had given me a talent and an ability to build teams. God had given me a talent and an ability to dig deeper than most in my industry. God had given me a talent and ability to actually influence change in the direction or in the profession of law enforcement, human trafficking enforcement. And because I missed the boat, I can't say it's a regret because there are plenty of life lessons that were learned from it. But if I would have been rich in my perspective and understood all of those opportunities when they were presented to me, when my boots were on the ground working HT enforcement, I probably would have had a far different perspective. And I definitely would have had far greater confidence taking all those questions and opportunities and resources and abilities to God first and asking him, what the heck do you want me to do with this? Where do I need to take this? And I guarantee I would have been 10 times more effective than anything that I had done on my own. You and I will both agree, like, life is life. We're humans, right? Absolutely. Uh, And I'm not a holier-than-thou guy. What I want to portray is I've tested both sides of this line. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) And I still fell. I still struggle. I still – it's – it's I I'm still in a – full-hearted relationship with the Lord trying to get better at it, right? Paul talks about it just like what you were going on. Paul talks about it in Philippians 3. And basically what he's saying is here in some of it, he says that I was circumcised when I was eight days old. I'm a pure-blooded citizen of Israel. Uh, He talks about being one of the best of the best. Paul he criticized and arrested and and persecuted the first followers of Jesus, right? The first, uh, the the first disciples, the first actual followers of Jesus. He he persecuted them. He made fun of. He 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 arrested them. So he's saying, I've been, I've, I've had, basically to me, he's saying, I've had the world by the balls. I've been known as, as one of the best. And I've, I've followed the strictest laws. I was a Pharisee. I've been what, what the, uh, the culture of that time thought was the greatest. I've been that. And then here at verse seven, he says, I once thought these things were valuable, but now I consider them worthless because of what Christ has done. Yes, everything else is worthless when compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I have discarded everything else, counting it all as garbage so that I could gain Christ and become one with him. I no longer count on my own righteousness through obeying the law. Rather, I become righteous through faith in Christ. And you and I both can sit here and say that we've tested that. I've been a man of men. I've been top 15 bareback rider in the world. I've been on the highest of highs, and I've also been at the lowest of lows. And at the highest of highs, it's it's easy to forget how you got there. And it's easy to... to uh, to think you're the man and to think you got it figured out. And there's, but even at the highest of highs, even at the top of the mountain, there's that void. There's that emptiness that does not compare to knowing that what Jesus did for me is enough. Yeah. There is not anything, no substance, no amount of money, no fancy car 
that can give me the joy and peace of knowing that what Jesus did on the cross and did coming out of the grave, rising to be at the right hand of his father, will carry my soul on forever, that I can live even after dying. And I'll tell you, when working through this scripture, I guarantee somebody listening right now will start to reflect on previous chapters of their life and they'll start to feel that shameful feeling of, oh, I missed the boat. I lived it many times over in many chapters of my life. And guess what? I'm probably going to continue to do it as I work through work through life best I can. So to have that feeling of shame of, man, I missed an opportunity or a feeling of guilt where you maybe squandered an opportunity, it's okay to feel that in the beginning, but you have to realize the blessing of that God is now peeling back the scales of your eyes and you're starting to see the world through a different lens. And it's a blessing to now be able to perceive those opportunities to invest back into humanity, into his kingdom. And when you talk about it from a resilience standpoint, when you are in the throes of life and you're in the valley of valleys and it's dark and it's difficult and you're isolated and it seems like the world is caving down in on you, to understand that in all of that, God is with you and he's pursuing you and he's seeking a relationship with you and there is going to be good that comes from it. It is an amazing place to launch and fight from because of that confidence. And I've used the analogy before when speaking to groups, it's like, imagine being in a boxing match or a cage match, right? And you're facing an insurmountable opponent and that opponent is just punching you in the mouth more times than you care to count. You look back into your fight corner for some instruction, for some coaching, and God is telling you, press on. (laughs) Come on. I mean, I'm going to turn around and hit that sucker as hard as I can. It may or may not land because I have a limited fighting ability, but to illustrate the point, right, when when life is piled on top of you to the point of it is just flat difficult to even breathe, that, that might even be your struggle. You look in your fight corner and God is spurring you on and God is carrying you and God is coaching for you and God is supporting you and God is encouraging you to get out and make the best of it. There is a lot that can be thrown at you and man, you stand tall walking through the other side and it's all because of his glory and his grace and his mercy. His grace is sufficient for me, whether I'm at the highest of highs or the lowest of lows. His grace is sufficient for me, right? And when I understood that, when I understand that he paid the price, he I don't have to have shame for my past sins or I don't have to have shame for missing the boat. I don't have to have that. He's, he's the, he's the God of second, third, fourth, fifth, 77 chances. When I understand that his grace is sufficient for me, is that not such a powerful feeling that, Hey, step back up to the plate and swing again. Yeah. Let's get back after it. Okay. So you've worked on, you've worked, you, you've worked in the police force, you've been an EMT also, right? Yes, sir. Where I'm going with this is you've seen, have you, have you seen people that were counted dead come back to life? Again? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. So I've never specifically witnessed that, but I believe that it's true. I believe that Jesus called Lazarus out of the grave. I believe that Jesus raised from the grave. I believe that, that, that is a real thing. So uh, in the physical realm, you've witnessed people that were dead come alive again. Absolutely. So Philippians 3, where he's saying, like this is just, I don't, I'm getting chills speaking this. I want to know Christ and experience the mighty power 
that raised him from the dead. I want to suffer with him and share in his death so that one way or another, I will experience the resurrection from the dead. Now, I read that, and literally speaking, I do believe that it is meaning that that gives me peace knowing that my life here on earth isn't vain, right? That when I die, I'm not just going to die. It's not just over for me. That I have a soul inside me that is going to continue to live on. But not only that, Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, right? John talks about that. He is the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So you want resurrection from the dead, not only in the physical death, but Jesus wants to give you life in your doubts. He wants to give you life in your fears. He wants to give you life in your unbelief. He wants to give you life in your wealth. He wants to give you life in your prosperity. He wants to give you life in all the dead areas of your of your human body also, right? Yes, sir. So nothing to me would be more cool than experiencing the mighty power that raised Jesus from the dead. And here's the thing. I can experience it because that spirit lives inside of me. It's interesting because the point that you bring up about resurrecting the dead, it was a point that I missed many times in my career. And in the latter parts of my career, I started to understand it, right? So in the, I'm going to call it the 911 business, common vernacular is when a person goes into cardiac arrest, respiratory arrest, right? It's, it's known as a code. And I've worked, I couldn't even tell you how many codes that I've worked in my career. A big number, hundreds, if not thousand. And I was recently talking to a local firefighter where he had ran a call. This is an experienced firefighter. I mean, he's coming up on retirement and he's a medic and he's very, very good at what he does. And he recently ran a trauma and it was a teenage girl. And despite all their efforts and all of his training and all of his experience, she succumbed to her injuries. And we're just having a conversation about life and I'm trying to help him navigate those waters. And that was one point that we made in that. I said, if you don't think God is working, how many times have you ran a code? And, and this is to be frank, we do CPR on dead people. You have to be deceased for us to do CPR on you. That's just a blunt truth to it. You walk in patients down they're clinically deceased at the time and you get to work and and they end up walking out of the hospital three or four days later there was a time in my career and this is to show the amazing things that god can do we ran a a vehicle collision it was a traumatic arrest so a guy had had a heart attack in the course of a vehicle accident we get there we end up working him up to the best of our abilities we ship him off to the hospital we had a pulse while he was en route in the ambulance which is the best that we could do in the field and we turn him over to the er he ends up walking out of the hospital i think it was about 10 days later he ends up writing a letter to the pd and uh He ends up writing a letter to the PD to thank everybody that responded.
and work their tail off because he was a couple weeks away from being able to walk his daughter down the aisle. Come on. And his big bucket list item after that was to hold his grandchild. And there were tons of cops and firefighters and medics working this scene. But to think this man was deceased and God gave each and every one of those people that provided care to this patient a skill set and ability to support his kingdom and his will. God was the one that did the actual resurrection, but he used the amazing human beings to do it. And it was just, man, it was a lot for me to take in because I never, until that point, I had never thought about it. It was just a service provided being a 911 guy. That was it. And that's when it really, really hit me that, man, God is on the move and God is with me in all of this. Despite the good, despite the bad, despite the difficult, despite the easy, despite the success, despite the failure, God is with us and God is moving this ship in the right direction. That's what I'm saying. That's evidence of Christ right there. People want to say it ain't real. That's evidence right there. I get it too. I get the comment people tell me is, I don't know if I can have the attitude that you have in that wheelchair. You have such a positive attitude. You got a smile on your face. Well, let me tell you, humanly speaking, it's impossible. I have hard days. I have bad days. I've been at the at the brinks of, Lord, please take my life away from me because I feel like the people would be better off without me. And I've I've been depressed. I've been you want to talk about stress, you try putting yourself in a wheelchair and 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 trying to decide as a man how you're gonna provide for for a for a for for a wife and a kid and there's it's it's not easy humanly speaking it is impossible but with christ all things are possible man and i think it's sad that sometimes it takes life shattering things in our life for us to understand that open our eyes to it yeah heck yeah open our eyes to it i wish everybody could just get it but that sure would make it a lot easier. <laughs> you know, but Absolutely. A lot of times it takes the James 1, 2 through 4. The when troubles come our way, consider it an opportunity for joy. It's when we're faced with those trials and when we're faced with the struggles and when we're at rock bottom. But I think that's it's funny how the Lord works too, right? Because yes, when sir. is it when you start depending on the Lord is when I, I'm dealing with stress, anxiety, fears, doubts, failures, shortcomings. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. That's when you got to start depending on the Lord, right? But the longer I work on my relationship with the Lord, the more I humble myself, the more I surrender to his will, the more I surrender to his time, the more I surrender to what he wants me to do in this life rather than what I want to do in this life. The more I lay down my life, die to my flesh, pick up my cross and try to follow him. The more I see him in the good too, Absolutely. the more I, I continue to rely on him because it keeps me from being stagnant. It keeps me from, Hey, this is all the Lord has for me. No, it's not ever all the Lord has for me. He is my comfort in those times of trials, but he's also my triumphant, victorious king at times when I think I got the world by the balls, too. He's also like, this isn't all I got in store for you. Come on. Check this. You know, I got infinite. I got I'm offering infinitely more than you can ask or imagine. 
So when you think you got it figured out, keep striving. <laughs> Amen. Amen. So we really hope that in this episode, it allows you all the opportunity to start reflecting on success and how you define success and objectively look at your life and figure out what what is God's calling for your life? What is God's calling for success in your life? And how are you going to navigate that? We've referenced a couple scriptures and obviously the scriptures will always be included in the, the show notes for your reference. But as we close, we just want to leave you with a little encouragement. It's going to come out of John 14, starting in 15, verse 15. And just understand this is a process that I don't know that you'll ever have the answer to it. It seems in my life, and Jared, you correct me if this is different in any of your journey, the definition of success seems to become more and more and more refined as I travel throughout seasons of, of my life. So if you see it changing or you're questioning the change in it, obviously we take it to the Lord and see what he's got for us. But don't be surprised if the season is turned and God's fulfilled the season of your life and, and wants to take it in different directions. So in closing, we have John 14, 15, and it reads, If you love me, keep my commands, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever, the Spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, and he lives with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Before long, the world will not see me anymore. But you will see me. Because I live, you also will live. On that day, you will realize that I am in my Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. Whoever has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. The one who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I too will love them and show myself to them. So through thick and thin, he is there. And he wants a relationship with you. And he is hungry for a relationship with you. And despite all the worldly pressures and all the worldly sin, my prayer to the listeners is that we take our resources and our skills and our abilities and we take it to Christ and have him define what we shall do with it. Yeah, I, I'm trying to listen to the Holy Spirit here. I've, I want to portray that I think, I don't think, I know that uh, there's greatness inside of every single one of us. And apart from Jesus, we have no idea what we can accomplish. God has a purpose for your life. And that purpose isn't just for you. That purpose is to impact other people's lives. It's to be a service to others. It's to love others. It's to leave a legacy that is so much bigger than you can think or imagine and so much bigger than, than humanly speaking, than you think. He has greatness design or he has greatness inside. There's greatness inside of each and every single one of us. And the Lord wants to unlock that. Jesus wants to unlock that. And so my encouragement, he wants us to encourage others. He wants us to build each other up. He wants us to, to impact people's lives. And God doesn't call the qualified. He qualifies the called. So he, he wants you right where you're at, broken or unbroken, uh, full of shame or no shame, rich or poor. He wants you right where you're at. And he 
just wants your heart. He just wants you to start. He just wants a relationship with us. He wants to be the absolute Lord of our life. And he begs us to live, a, Paul says in, in Ephesians 4, 1, I beg you to live a life worthy of your calling, for you have been called by God. And to know him. You've been called by God to know him. And just start. Dig in. He wants, he wants... He wants you to to go to him first with your emotions. He wants you to go to him first with your finances. He wants you to go to him first with with your being. He just wants you right where you're at with your heart. So just start. You're not too good or too too small or too big or too too anything. He wants he wants you right as you are, right where you're at, and he just wants your heart. I love it. I love it. Well, Jr., I can't thank you enough for jumping on the line and cutting up the Bible with me again. For those of you listening, you want to be involved, you have questions, you have feedback, you have concern, you want to build on any of the scripture discussed in this episode, you can reach out to JR through JR Vizane on Instagram. Facebook is JR Professional Bareback Rider. You can reach out to me through Day 6 Ranch social media, both on Facebook and Instagram. You can check out day6ranch.com for more of what we have going and more episodes of Let Freedom Reign podcast. And as always, we thank you guys for your time and hope to see you on the next one. Thanks again for joining us here on Let Freedom Reign podcast. If you are looking to grow in the areas of leadership, self-mastery, and discipleship, please visit day6ranch.com to see all we have to offer in the form of free content, podcasts, and material related to building a legacy-worthy lifestyle.